The story goes that the birth of Jesus Christ was attended by three individuals, alternatively known as kings, magi, or wise men, who followed a star in the sky over Bethlehem and offered up three gifts to the baby Jesus. For that reason, in some parts of the world, the Magi actually replaced Santa as the bestower of gifts, such as the Spanish holiday Three Kings Day, and the Three Wise Men are common fixtures of many nativities and Christmas pageants. But for such prolific biblical personae, there is only one book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, that even mentions them. In fact, the Bible isn't even clear on how many Magi there are. Tradition assumes three, based on those three famous gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh. In fact, some offshoots of Christianity number them as twelve, which of course is already a number of great spiritual significance in the Bible. First, throw everything you think you know about your local Christmas pageant out the window, because the wise men aren't actually stated as being there in the manger during, you know, the big event. The book of Matthew states that at some unspecified time after the birth of Jesus, wise men came to Jesus' mother Mary's home and offered the Christ child the three symbolic gifts. From what little is said of this account, we learn that these men knew to find the place by following the star over Bethlehem, with some vague mention of a prophecy, but that's all we get before they peace out, leaving us with a lot of questions. Now I'm going to keep this as uncontroversial as possible. The Bible as a whole is a series of texts that encompasses parables, books of law, interpretations, allegories, oral histories committed to the page, letters, essays, and personal accounts. So to call this a purely historical investigation into the identity of the wise men and their gifts is a bit of a simplification. But since this is a podcast about treasure and mystery, what better than a quick dive into the three most important Christmas treasures of all time? The three wise men, by and large, are sometimes conflated with shepherds, who are mysteriously granted the knowledge of the coming of Christ, or even kings who are bestowed the same prophecy based on a few select readings of lines in the New Testament. But from a practical perspective, this just doesn't make sense. In the Bible, the birth of the future savior of mankind is something that, as one might expect, is very hush-hush. The knowledge of Jesus' birth is strictly limited to a select few, and the reasons why are pretty clear when you take into consideration what happens when King Herod hears the news and decides to pull a robber Baratheon. So how did these three mysterious strangers know when and where to RSVP for quite possibly the most important baby shower in religious history? One hint as to their identity is them being called the Magi, which is actually a very specific title that is frequently interpreted as Great One, Wise Man, or even Magician. It's actually the latter that is the most accurate translation, which pertains to a religion far older than Christianity and even Judaism, a religion called Zoroastrianism. In ancient Persia, the Magi were a priestly class, and their specialty was astrology, as in the readings of the stars for signs and omens. Suddenly, it all becomes very clear as to why these three individuals may have been privy to some very big things going down in a certain manger in Bethlehem, and what stars they needed to follow in order to get there. These astrologers of yore were often grouped with other wonder workers and men of the occult, and hence the word magi influenced the English word magic, and there we get magician. The Bible doesn't actually name the magi in question, and yet tradition frequently gives them the names Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar, Which, if you're into Neon Genesis Evangelion, that's actually where they got the name for those computers and Nerve. And if you didn't get that reference, look it up. The wise men are cited as coming from far away, from countries to the east, which, while vague, this does give us a few hints. 
Over the years, as Christianity spread across Asia, many countries did their best to claim one of the Magi as their own. For example, many Chinese Christians believe that one of the wise men was a philosopher that came from China. Some Chinese branches of Christianity even go so far as to say that the Magi in question was none other than Lao Tzu, ignoring the fact that he was born about 600 years too late. Most of the information we get on the Magi, including their names, is a non-biblical canonical manuscript discovered in Alexandria that dates roughly to the year 500. This identifies the Magi as three kings, though their identity as traditional nobility is now contested. The first Magi is Kaspar, said to have hailed from India and is often identified with a real-life king named Gudafrasha. He is described as being of dark skin, young, and beardless, and he's usually portrayed as offering Christ the gift of frankincense. And what is frankincense, you ask? It is an aromatic resin, or incense, that comes from the hardened tree sap of the tree Boswellia Sacra, a tree revered for its indomitable ability to grow in harsh climates, even directly out of rocks. This resin was prized in the Holy Land as a ritual incense used in the Temple of Jerusalem, and it's mentioned in the Bible several times. Since it was used in the temples as consecration and offering, symbolically offering it to the baby Jesus recognizes his divinity. Balthazar is one of the more interesting of the Magi, as he's often referred to explicitly as being black-skinned and sporting a beard. This depiction has actually caused a bit of controversy in Europe, where the Magi are usually portrayed in nativity pageants by local elected officials, with the person playing Balthazar usually doing so in blackface. Fortunately, there have been more modern efforts to correct this, you know, such as casting actual black people for the role. The manuscripts tie Balthazar's origins to Arabia, and he is frequently associated with the gift of myrrh, which, like frankincense, is a hard resin that comes from trees, specifically the Camifera myrrha. However, myrrh has more uses than frankincense, as it can often be ingested as a medicine. In the context of the nativity, it was offered as an aromatic oil for the purpose of anointing the Messiah. It also pretends to the sacrifice of Christ, as some legends say it was used to anoint his body after the crucifixion. Finally, we have the eldest magi, Melchior, said to have come from Persia bearing the gift of gold. Persia was recognized as a land of wealth in the ancient world, so this is no surprise. The gift of gold was to denote Christ's royalty as the king of all mankind, being recognized by a human king who falls down before him. But in all likelihood, the Magi were not royalty in the literal sense, and they were probably all from Persia. The dominant religion in Persia at the time was Zoroastrianism, one of the oldest monotheistic faiths in the world. Its rituals were conducted by the Magi caste, and they venerated a prophet named Zoroaster. According to a Syrian Christian gospel and an Iranian legend, supposedly the reason why the Magi had gone looking for the birth of Jesus in the first place was because it was in accordance with the Zoroastrian prophecy. They simply read the stars and headed out west. And you thought your daily horoscope was important. And to tie this episode into last week's, the wife of Genghis Khan's son Tolui actually believed that the Mongols were descended from one of the Magi. So there's that. But it wouldn't be the Lost Treasure podcast without a brief examination of what may have happened to the gifts of the Magi. Like most lore surrounding the wise men, the New Testament doesn't really offer up any answers. Some tales say that the gold was stolen by the thieves, Dismas and Gestus, who ended up crucified with Jesus, sort of in a twist of fate scenario. 
Other stories say Judas stole it because, you know, not the most trustworthy apostle in the book. A more logical account simply states that the impoverished Mary and Joseph used the gold to finance their escape out of Bethlehem when Herod sent out his goons, and likely they were able to get by on this generous donation for a while. While not much is written on the frankincense, there are of course some who believe the myrrh was used at the crucifixion. There is also a 15th century golden case, which is located in the monastery of St. Paul on Mount Athos in Greece. It is widely believed that this case was bestowed to the monks by Mara Brankovich, the wife of Sultan Marat II and godmother of Mehmet II, who conquered Constantinople. But of course, this is hard to verify. And that's pretty much it. I've got no conclusion this week because I need to go drink some eggnog. I will say this, whatever you believe in, have a safe and happy holiday, and see you in the new year for one final episode before our season break. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lost Treasure Pod, where you can track the announcement of incoming Patreon content. Till then, the adventure continues.